Welcome to the Strength and Dignity Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Bromley. During our time together, we will delve into all things relating to abuse, particularly domestic abuse. As a woman who has experienced abuse from the woman's perspective, this podcast is geared toward women and the unique challenges she faces when she finds herself in an abusive situation. What happens when she seeks godly counsel? Must she remain in bondage? Is she to blame for her abuse? It's time to find our voice and shine a light on an area which many want to keep in the dark. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of the Strength and Dignity Podcast with myself, Melissa Bromley. Today, our topic is God Hates Abuse. But before we get into that, please be sure to hit subscribe so you don't miss any content on our healing journey together. Now let's get to it. We've all heard and been made hyper aware that God hates divorce. Now, I'm not here to dispute that. However, did you know that he hates abuse too? How often do you hear that though? Not too often, I'm afraid. No, divorce is not the only thing that God hates, but so many women remain in bondage because they're told repeatedly that God hates divorce. It's as though keeping a marriage together indiscriminately at all costs is the virtue above all virtues. And on the flip side of that, a divorce is the sin of all dirty sins. You're stigmatized and ostracized even, if you have to have one, with no care as to why and no true understanding of God's mercy, forgiveness, or compassion. See, no one really seems to care within the church if your union was something where you maybe shouldn't have entered into it in the first place, maybe because you were not in a good or healthy place mentally, or maybe you entered into a marriage by way of false pretenses and had no idea what you were really getting into until your reality full-on changed, and perhaps you are in danger. No, it doesn't matter in many cases, but it does matter to God who knows your entire story from beginning to end. He knows what brought you to a particular predicament, and he cares, because he simply cares about your life and every single detail of your life. Remember, this is the same God who knit you together in your mother's womb, the same God who collects your tears, the same one who has the hairs on your head numbered the same God whose thoughts for you outnumber the grains of sand. He cares about your environment, your safety, your mental health and stability, the pain you feel, all of it. He cares about you. The Bible tells us that he is also full of compassion for us. Psalm 86.15 says that he is merciful and gracious slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Lamentations 3 verses 22 and 23 says that his steadfast love never ceases, his mercies never come to an end, and that they are new every morning. There are countless scriptures that convey his heart of compassion for us, even in the Old Testament where many often think of his wrath and judgment. I challenge you to do a deeper dive into this, 
We can do a little bit of that today. Our God is also a protective father. Think for just a minute of how a healthy, earthly father is toward his daughters. I know for some of us who never experienced that, it's hard to fathom, but likely we've all seen it even if we haven't experienced it ourselves. Many of us have yearned for it when we've seen it in the lives of others. We can see the preciousness and value in such love and protection. That is by God's design. How much more do we think our Heavenly Father bestows that type of protection toward His daughters? This is who He is. Psalm 17, 8-10 says, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings, from the wicked who are out to destroy me, from my mortal enemies who surround me. They close up their callous hearts, and their mouths speak with arrogance. 2 Samuel 22, 3 and 4 says, My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. He is my stronghold, my refuge and my savior. From violent people you save me. Psalm 9, 9 and 10 says that the Lord will be a refuge in times of trouble, and they that know his name will put their trust in him, for the Lord has not forsaken them that seek him. His protection is on display throughout both the Old and New Testament. Our God, Yahweh, is a God who is full of love, full of compassion, and he is a God who protects those who he loves, and he loves his daughters. Yes, he is full of love, mercy, and kindness toward us, and he gives us a husband to be an extension of that here on earth. God has always been a defender of the weak, vulnerable, and downtrodden. His character is woven throughout the entire Bible. What he stands for and against is there. Often, when people ask me for a particular scripture passage to prove that God doesn't want women in abuse, I'm dumbfounded, quite frankly, because in all honesty, the Bible in its entirety proves this. It can't merely be summed up in one scripture or a handful of scriptures. It is the sum of it all. It is who he is and has always proven to be. To despise abuse and mistreatment is very clearly the character of God. Why would we think for a moment that he would want his daughter subjected to this by one who he has appointed to be her protector and defender. God hates violence, yet somehow we are to believe that he is all right with a husband being violent day in and day out to his own wife, or even at all. This does not sound like wisdom. So while I can certainly give scripture that God is against abuse, and it would therefore free a woman of all ties, It never does fail to amaze me that we even have to ask this question. But the truth is, the church by and large has helped to perpetuate such grave misconceptions. God is for people being treated with respect, kindness, love, and gentleness. How much more so would he expect this from a man toward his wife? And even more so still when the woman is God's own precious daughter. If we who are human would not want our own children to be subjected to abuse. The God who created us and knit us together, of course does not want us to be subjected to it. 
The thing about abuse is that it is a misuse of power. An abuser is exerting power over their victim unfairly and unjustly by using things like finances, intimidation, isolation, or fear, among other tactics. Now let's look at the life of Christ. He, being the very Son of God and a king, walked humbly among us as a servant. This, again, is the heart of God. We do not serve a tyrannical God who is out for himself. Even his rules were never meant to be tyrannical. They were given in a spirit of love and of wanting the absolute best for us. That's right. His laws are meant to benefit us and to keep us safe. So we automatically must question when someone is pushing a law on us that will ultimately cause harm, destruction, and despair. God himself loves us, cares for us, and has great joy in serving us and meeting our needs. He doesn't ever use his power over us in a way that would cause harm. Marriage should mirror Christ's love for the church. It's as simple as that. And though there should be ample grace for our human flaws and failings, that should in no way be a doorway to condone an outright abusive, destructive, oppressive environment. I recently shared a post on my Facebook blog and Instagram that said, If you've ever wondered where God's heart resides on abuse, read the abundant scriptures on oppression. What is oppression? The definition of oppression is prolonged, cruel, or unjust treatment or abuse. So oppression and abuse are essentially synonymous. The Bible talks about oppression often. God is not a supporter of it. And why do we suppose that is? Well, for one, it is unfair. Someone is using power over someone else in an unfair and harmful way. That other someone is being devalued. They are being used and abused. They are being mistreated. They are being placed in harm's way and damaged. They are being weakened. They are being mentally exhausted. It is easy to see why God does not support this. And we can see the same being done in an abusive marriage. Power, fear, and intimidation is being used to silence and scare a victim into submission. This was never God's plan. This is not how Christ loves his church, not even close. This is a God who gave us free will and wants to draw us in with loving kindness. Abuse and oppression is an unjust use of power, and our God has never been for that, nor does he exemplify that. Show me any example of where this is what God stood for. You can't, because it just isn't him. Oppression and violence is addressed in the scriptures from the very beginning to the end. Using violence, fear, and coercion to get one's way over another is nothing new, and the Bible is full of examples. In our day-to-day lives, we can see oppression play out in both the macro and the micro of life. In the larger-scale systems that are put into place within institutions and society to keep those in power in power, while those who are not remain at the mercy of those systems and those people in power. Or in the individual lives of those who experience this in their homes, workplaces, or even churches, 
Really, any place of social interaction can breed oppression because all it takes is one person using an unfair advantage of power over that of another in a way that is unhealthy and even dangerous. So what does the Bible say about oppression? Jeremiah 7, 5-7 says, For if ye thoroughly amend your ways and your doing, if ye thoroughly execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, and if ye oppress not the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods, then I will cause you to dwell in this place, in the land that I gave to your fathers for ever and ever. Isaiah 54.14 says, In righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression, for thou shalt not fear, and from terror, for it shall not come near thee. Isaiah 30.12 says, Wherefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because you despise this word and trust in oppression and perverseness, and stay thereon, therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach, ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall, whose breaking comes suddenly at an instant. Here, he admonishes Israel for not trusting in God's word, but instead using violence and evil to get what they want, and he warns them that their ways will fail them, There are countless passages which show us God's heart on the matter of oppression, abuse, violence, mistreatment, and even anger. But let's go back to the phrase we so often hear, that God hates divorce. This is found in Malachi 2.16, but did you know that if we dig a little bit deeper into the passage, we will see a few things. For one, the prophet is speaking directly to men. Women could not divorce their husbands in those times, and that is significant to note. God was speaking to the man as the one with power in the marital union. When women were divorced in those times, they were in a position where no one else would take them, so they would be forced into destitution and shame. God's main concern here was the woman as the more vulnerable party. Many women would become prostitutes in order to survive. Furthermore, it seems if we read the entire scripture in context that God is also accusing the man of being faithless toward her and dealing treacherously with violence toward her, the one he should protect. God is not pleased. Yet, these three words out of context are utilized by men and by the church at large to keep women in bondage to violence. God is calling his leaving her vulnerable an act of violence. How do you suppose he views actual violence or abuse of any kind? Here, he is talking of making her vulnerable to harm by the very act of divorce. Yet what if she is vulnerable to harm within his very home? Are we to think that God blames the woman for escaping or the man who gave her reasons to have to leave? And let's face it, though we don't live in times such as these where a woman could never remarry or even survive on her own, there is still a very real stigma attached to that woman, and she is still in many cases very vulnerable. Though women have come a long way, we are not always on an equal playing field. 
This is why it is so often the woman in these situations afraid to leave for fear of where she will go, how she will survive, and yes, even how she will be perceived. Things have changed, yet at the same time, they have not in a way. God's heart is to protect the vulnerable, and often the most vulnerable is the woman. Now I realize there are exceptions for sure. I also know that men can be victims of spousal abuse with their own set of challenges, but we do very much live in a patriarchal society, and the way these issues are handled by the patriarchal system of organized religion in particular greatly favors the man, while it shames and shuns the woman. God knew this was so even then. His divorce laws were never meant to keep women, or men for that matter, in prisons of torment. They were meant for protection, because you see, God always has our best in mind. His directives are never arbitrary. They have very specific purposes and are always to our benefit, not to our detriment. Now those of us who have been in abuse know the many forms that abuse comes in and probably have experienced many of those forms. Abuse is never one-dimensional, but has many layers and nuances. Often there can be deceit, infidelity, slander, pornography, and a whole host of very specific things that God also hates. Let's just take slander for example. If you have suffered narcissistic abuse, you know how the smear campaign goes. This is where the abuser is smearing the name of their victim with lies in order to portray themselves as the victim and in the more positive light. I came to learn that they don't only do this after the relationship dissolves, but they are constantly doing it when given opportunity, even throughout the marriage. They will lie and depict their victim as crazy, irresponsible, a drug addict, a cheater, a bad parent, a thief, a gold digger, or any other variety of undesirable traits. Many of us have been accused of all of these things. And many times, these traits are traits of their own that they are projecting. It is one of the most awful things to go through. Now let's go back to the Word of God, and let's take a look at what Proverbs 6.16 says about what God hates and even detests. Haughty eyes. This would be when someone is looking down on another person. A lying tongue, hands that kill the innocent, a heart that plots evil, feet that race to do wrong, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who sows discord in a family. In other words, who pits people against each other. How many of these are encapsulated in abuse? If you've been there, you know. God's covenant of marriage is sacred. It is surely defiled when a spouse, and for the purposes of this podcast, a woman is abused. Never feel as though God hates divorce more than he hates the vile acts that sometimes lead to it or the pain and anguish that those vile acts are causing your heart. If you must leave to make it end, know that you are not to blame in God's eyes. October is National Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and I do hope that this podcast helps to shed light on the darkened topic of abuse. 
I pray that we all understand just a bit more whether we are in abuse ourselves or it has touched our life some other way. I hope you will help educate others this month as you feel led. I hope that this week's episode gives just a bit more understanding as to how we simply cannot admonish women to stay in abuse based on cherry-pick scriptures that are out of context and without full recognition of what is going on in the history of those times. We must look at the Word of God as a whole, the character of God, and deal with these matters compassionately and with great care and wisdom. Thank you for joining me on this journey of healing, hope, and learning. Please subscribe to this podcast and check out the She is Clothed with Strength and Dignity Facebook page and blog. And join me next week when we will discuss and define narcissistic abuse. Until next time, sweet warriors, take care of yourself. You are worth it. You are precious in the eyes of God.